Hello and welcome back to History with Jackson. Today we are returning to the channel after a long hiatus with a return to the English and British Monarchs series. Today we are looking at an oft-forgotten ruler of England, Lady Jane Grey. So who was Lady Jane Grey? Now Jane Grey was born to Henry and Francis Grey, the Duke and Duchess of Suffolk. She was born in either Leicester or London and she was born in either 1536 or 1537. Research suggests either way, but we do not have a definitive answer to either one of those questions. Now, Jane was related to the Tudor family and had a claim to the Tudor throne through her mother, who was the daughter of Henry VIII's sister, Mary. So what was Jane's earlier life like? Now, we know that Jane had a very good, strong, education. She learned Latin, Greek, Hebrew, French and Italian and that she enjoyed reading Plato. Now at a young age Thomas Seymour purchased her wardship from her parents upon the promise that he would try and get a marriage between Jane and Edward VI. Thomas Seymour had a good reputation in England. He was one of the most powerful nobles in this period. He was very close to Edward VI and he was married to Henry VIII's former wife, Catherine Parr. Thomas and Catherine also had a good reputation in raising children. They currently had the wardship of Princess Elizabeth at this time and their raising of Elizabeth was known for its good education. In the Seymour household, Jane would become acquainted with her first cousin, Princess Elizabeth, but there was not much interaction and she would continue to receive a strong education. Catherine Parr tried to ensure that the girls received a good Protestant education and she tried to embed these values in their lives. In 1548, Thomas Seymour fell from power. He fell out of favour with King Edward. And later on, he attempted to break into the royal apartments to try and rebuild his re relationship with Edward. But he was arrested for treason in 1549. With Thomas arrested for treason, Jane's position became weak and unstable. And whilst Thomas Seymour was executed later that year in 1549, her father, Henry Grey, try to find a marriage for Jane now that the option of marrying Edward was off the table. Henry tried to offer Jane's hand in marriage to Thomas Seymour's brother's son and this was rejected by Edward Seymour. He then offered Jane's hand to John Dudley's son Guildford and John Dudley accepted this marriage proposal. The Dudley family were one of the most powerful families in England at this point, as John Dudley was head of the council. And a marriage between Guildford Dudley and Jane Seymour would ensure that the Greys kept a good position in England. Jane and Guildford Dudley married early in 1553. And Edward VI implored them to have a son as soon as possible. 
as at the beginning of 1553, Edward had began to fall ill and his health had been deteriorating. He had even drawn up his plans for succession whilst he was ill. Within these plans for succession, Edward disinherited his half-sisters and put in place and favoured his grey relations with Francis, Jane, Catherine and Mary in line to succeed him if he died. Edward later amended his plans for succession to favour Jane over her family. In July 1553, Edward VI scumbered to his illnesses, but he had already ensured that his plans for succession had been signed off by his Privy Council. John Dudley, the Earl of Northumberland, her husband's father, informed Jane that she was now Queen. Dudley immediately set about trying to consolidate Jane and his own power by attempting to capture Mary. Princess Mary, later Mary I, fled to East Anglia to build support and army and send letters to the Privy Council demanding that she be made Queen. Jane had been catapulted from just a member of court to the throne at only the age of 16. This was an incredibly difficult position for Jane as she had no idea of statecraft, no training, no apprenticeship in being queen. So Dudley was left as the power behind the throne. Dudley amassed an army to go and capture Mary to ensure that Jane could continue on the throne. However, as he marched to meet Mary, Dudley's army deserted him and the Privy Council swapped their support from Jane to Mary. They swapped their support as they noticed that Mary was more powerful and that she had more support behind her. This spelt the end for Jane's reign. And she had reigned from the 10th of July to the 19th of July, 1553. Upon coming to the throne, Mary released several Catholics who were already in the tower. And she arrested the Dudley family for treason and placed them in the tower. Jane was already in the tower awaiting her coronation. But the tower for Jane turned from a palace into a prison as she was also arrested. Dudley, the Earl of Northumberland, was executed for treason, as Mary felt that he had been the power behind this movement to rob her of her inheritance. She decided to not execute Jane, as she felt that Jane had been an innocent party within this movement. However, a number of Protestant uprisings began, and you had the Wyatt rebellion, which sought to remove Mary from the throne. Mary now felt that Jane was a threat to her position, a threat to her power, and she ordered Jane's execution. Mary offered Jane one final mercy before her execution. She offered Jane the chance to convert to Catholicism. Jane refused and her execution went on. Jane was executed in a private execution in the tower in 1554 and she was blindfolded for her execution. She was later buried in the grounds of the palace. 
Now, was Lady Jane Grey a good queen? Now, this is this is a difficult question to answer because she was only queen for nine days and she didn't even have a coronation. Often on family trees or lists of rulers, Jane is either omitted or she is on there with a question mark. Now, I believe that Jane was innocent within this whole situation. She was party and victim of the ambition of others. And we can see this with Thomas Seymour and the Dudley family. I don't believe Jane did enough to be considered a good queen as she had no power within those nine days. And I don't think she did anything to warrant being called a bad queen. So therefore, Jane, I feel we can still call a queen, but we can't give a good or bad label. Now, thank you very much for watching the return of History of Jackson. Uh, of course, I have a couple of books to recommend, and it is The Eternal Gwyns, Kings and Queens, The Indispensable History of England and Her Monarchs. I think this is a really good guide to all of the monarchs in the on the British Isles, uh, especially England, and it you know, it really covers every single monarch. I mean every single monarch. Now, secondly is Simon Sharma's A History of Britain at the Edge of the World, 3000 BC to AD 1603. Sharma has a really good guide to the different motions and a really good narrative outline of what was happening within Britain at this point. Now, in the meantime, if you want to keep up to date with more History of Jackson content, all the links are below for our social medias. We have our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and LinkedIn. And if you'd like to head to the History of Jackson website, you can access all our videos, podcasts, articles, and so on. So I look forward to seeing you later. And if you remember, and remember, if you liked or enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, share, or review really goes a long way in helping History Ejection out. So thank you very much, and I'll see you next video.